Mic check. One, two, one, two. Mic check, mic check. Welcome to the Mogul Podcast. I'm Tim Bryson, Director of Athlete Education and Compliance, and I'm the host of our show. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a returning community member, welcome back. As y'all know, the Mogul Podcast is dedicated to educating all NIL athletes and brands on how to ensure compliance, how to maximize NIL activity, and how to make a difference in the ever-evolving NIL landscape. Uh, today, we have a trailblazer, man, truly history maker, uh, someone who has not just set the standard, but has continued to raise the bar on what it means to develop athletes' brands and helping them identify who they are, elevating their reach uh, to be uh, global leaders in their local and global community. Uh, this person is a husband, first and foremost, a SoCal native, former All-SEC and All-American, which we'll talk about as well in the pod, um, and currently serves as a Senior Associate Athletic Director for Athlete Brand Development and Inclusive Excellence at none other than the flagship, the University of Arkansas. So without further ado, Brother Terry Prentice, what's popping, bro? Welcome to the Mogul Pod. Hey, man, great to be on. Great to be on. You, uh, you're doing some incredible work in the space, so I'm uh, honored to, to be able to jump on and, and talk about what we do at Arkansas to you know, best serve and amplify our student athletes um, through name, image, and likeness. No, for sure. And I think everyone to this at this point knows it was many people hate it. Some people love it, but it is what it is. The wild, wild west, wild, wild west back in 2021. But in that dust, right, as it began to settle, before it settled truly, Arkansas was the first, right? Like y'all were the flagship, not just obviously in the state, but across the United States in regards to prioritizing NIL, which we'll talk about during segment two. Because more important than that, right, your story is, has not just informed who you are, but also how you choose to lead. I'm um, So Terry, segment one, yo, talk to us more about what's your story. Yeah, yeah. So you touched on it a bit, but Southern California native, uh, raised in a, a tremendous household, two loving parents, Ernest and Gloria Prentice. Uh, both of them are from the South. Mom's from Arkansas. Dad's from East Texas, um, just wow. outside of Texarkana. Um, so I always had some ties back to this region. But was raised in Southern California. Um, had a great opportunity to take my talents to the next level from a track and field standpoint. And so when I was being recruited, I actually decided to stay close to home and attend USC out of high school. Um, they were hot. They were hot at the time. Football was rolling. Pete Carroll had those guys, had those guys going. And I think that bled into their recruiting efforts in, in a host of other sports. So decided to stay close to home out of high school. And then, you know, like, our student athletes face now is, you know, faced with some adversity. You're away from home for the first time, dealing with all sorts of different factors and, and variables, uh, living in an off-campus apartment that's still considered campus housing. So learning how to really be away from home, training environments different. You're in a major, major city, you know, second largest city in America. Um, but with all those things, just decided that, that I needed to change and went back to the recruiting process. And that was different then. There was no transfer portal. So you had to do it the old fashioned way and take calls from coaches and, uh, you know, client's office, let people know that you were, you were, uh, willing to transfer and, uh, and landed at the university of Arkansas, um, school that I really considered out of high school, but, um, didn't truly consider for those reasons I had mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. The awesome opportunity to start over, choose a college town, got a lot of family inside the state and in the area and family members that attended the university. So including my moves to, uh, to Ole Miss and to Kansas, really tell people I've been here the better part of 15 years. And uh, fast forward through my career was a 
SAC president, so got involved really early, um, Student Athlete Advisory Committee, much at the urging of Dr. Eric Wood, who uh, was a tremendous mentor to me and um, something I'll talk about later. We all need mentors in, in life and, and need those brothers and sisters that we can rely on to tell us those things that we don't want to hear, um, but also, you know, push us to be greater than we think we could be. That was Dr. Wood or as I just call him Eric. So just, yeah. <laughs> just Eric and he would, and he, uh, he pushed me and got me involved with student athlete leadership and um, fast forward to the end of my college career, had a department, um, worked with him, worked with academics, student athlete development and our development office at the Razorback Foundation, but really just got a great uh, well-rounded experience as a GA and, uh, and went to opportunity to go to Ole Miss as a development assistant um, work with some tremendous people there, but then very quickly was lured back to the University of Arkansas to work at the Razorback Foundation um, in an all-encompassing development role. So annual fund, major gifts, premium seating, managed parking, um, which is a, a chore here in the SEC. Mm -hmm. um, did that. Then at the University of Kansas with uh, another mentor, Jeff Long, uh, who was the athletic director at Arkansas, my athlete and a, a young professional. And he gave to really expand my my uh, opportunities and and still work in fundraising, um, oversee a sport and or sports with track and field and cross country, and then um, DEI to the department at Kansas. Really get involved in HR, and so we were able to um, really streamline some things in the hiring process and um, open some people's eyes and and some framework that I'm really proud uh, proud of, and and I'm proud of the work some of you know my former colleagues there now and they've taken it to even greater height all that said never thought that i'd work in the nil space didn't really yeah. pay attention to what nil was going to be to be honest yeah. we'd kind of cast it off and california had done this crazy thing back in 2019 2020 i think it's 2019 um governor had signed this bill in the shop I, like mm -hmm. i thought it was absolutely nuts and uh started learning a little bit more about nil and i was like man this is this is actually empowering and if i if i had a chance to do it all over again as a track and field athlete right an athlete in a equivalency sport so i definitely wasn't on a full ride at arkansas we we're trying to win championships so you know 12 and a half scholarships only go so far on a team of 50 athletes mm -hmm. um, i definitely could have tapped into nil and you know done some private lessons and you know might have worked with a local restaurant i mean i would have just hustled and tried to find a way True. thought about it like man there really is an opportunity here um, for all student athletes, um, but in particular, not just those in your, uh, you know, your highest profile sports, football, men's basketball, you know, women's basketball, softball, particularly here in the South, volleyball, track and field, got some unique opportunities. So um, Hunter Yurichek had reached out about a position uh, we're going to be having back in my alma mater, uh, wanted me to take a look at it, um, see if it would be a fit. Did, uh, went through the interview process, things happened to work out. And so here I am to uh, develop a program from scratch um, and some framework that was done by a working group inside the department before I was hired in March of 21. Uh, but yeah, I was able to, to jump right in and take that, that awesome framework that um, our colleagues had put together, but then kind of put my own twist on it and um, really wanted to lean in on being the flagship university of the state and play to that and use that in recruiting, use that with our student athletes mm -hmm. and really just help them understand that they're treated as celebrities here in Arkansas because we don't have any major professional sports teams really outside of, uh, you know, minor league baseball. So mm -hmm. 
you know, really the Razorbacks are it and our student athletes are, are here at the forefront. Um, and so we've really tried to lean into that and let that be our, our guiding light and our principle as we developed our program. So fast forward to, to now, I mean, man, it's been a whirlwind. We're excited to be here and, you know, our state's got a state law that we feel pretty good about. It's very student athlete friendly, um, as we like to call it, student athlete friendly. And um, yeah, it's where we are. I love that, you and I'm glad, glad and appreciate that you took the time to be um, extensive and detailed, you know, in your story to this point. And you mentioned that the athletes are, you know, at the forefront of what you do. Um, I think we definitely see that not just on social, but also the programming and feedback that I've seen from Arkansas athletes. But y'all fans are also pretty special. And so quick story, bro. SEC is very different. We know that, right? <laughs> I'm a graduate of the University of South Carolina. And as an athletic training student, bro, we took a bus from Columbia, South Carolina to the University of Arkansas to work the game at Arkansas. And I think it was kickoff. And all I heard was like, woo, pig, suey, or woo, pig, suey. And I was like, what is, what's going on, yo? But Arkansas has got you to come back a couple times now, right? Like, what is so yeah. special about the flagship? Right. Bill Baggett talks about this in Mississippi, Lamar rep Chicago, have you like what's so special about Arkansas for those who may not know or be aware? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's it's crazy. We're a small state. We've got three million people, um, proud state, but you know, specific to northwest Arkansas, where the university is located, it's kind of the, the, the best of both worlds. Right. In that it's rural, but we've got the big city feeling that Walmart, you know, JB Hunt, Tyson Foods, all headquarters here out of Northwest Arkansas, um, they call this their home. So their executives, their employees, you know, they're typically from here, but then they'll, you know, draw talent from around the country and really around the world. Um, but taking that a step further, Walmart um, kind of issued an edict about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago, that any any supplier, any vendor that was doing business with Walmart. So anyone that sold a product in Walmart stores had to have an office in Northwest Arkansas. So wow. um, again, that means Procter and Gamble and Coke and Pepsi and Gatorade and Kellogg's. And you just start going through the list, Johnson and Johnson and, and everyone else. You're like, oh my God, like, and so you got people that, that move here from Chicago and from the, wow. the Pacific Northwest and Southern California, Northern California and, um, you know, Florida and Atlanta, and then you get people that come here from overseas have to be here to do business. And so the area has really um, exploded from a population standpoint, um, but also just the, the from a socioeconomic standpoint, you've got some titans from a business standpoint pumping money back into the into the economy. And so it's an attractive place to draw students. And the university is also um, had some very aggressive recruitment efforts in terms of providing in-state tuition to any state that borders Arkansas, in addition to Illinois, right? So you're pulling, you know, the St. Louis area, you're pulling the Chicago land, um, they've extended down to Georgia. So you're pulling students out of the Atlanta area and Metro Atlanta that are, you know, getting in-state tuition here in Arkansas. Um, so it's really just become an attractive place for both students and then, you know, young professionals and they're moving their families here, they're starting their careers here. Um, so again, Northwest Arkansas is a very, very special place and um, our facilities are top notch and people are phenomenal. And uh, and yeah, so it just becomes home. And so, you know, whenever there's a, a career opportunity at the university, at least for me, I've been able to reflect back on that and let that be, you know, something that I'd, I'd want to come back to. But particularly when we're recruiting new employees, um, they come in, they fall in love with the place and it's hard, hard for them to leave. And and even sometimes in our business, as we know, we're losing mm -hmm. people through the great, you know, resignation, but people are staying in Northwest Arkansas. They're staying in the state because they're finding other things outside of, 
you know, outside of sport. And so, yeah, again, to answer your question, in that flagship university here, definitely it's even that much sweeter. I love that. You definitely recruited me to, to come down in uh, spring 23. I think I'll host the Razorback Relays. Yeah. 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 I don't need a field pass, but I need a field pass. So I'm, I'm telling you that right now on the record when I get down there. I got you, man. I got you. I appreciate it. So moving to segment two, Doug, like, as I mentioned before, now, y'all were the first state, right? I mean, excuse me, the first university to hire someone exclusively and dedicated to student-athlete brain development, uh, though we're the 11th, 11th state to pass legislation, right? So yeah. clearly it was a priority for the institution, right? Clearly it was something of significance that y'all wanted to infuse, not just in student-athlete development, but also diversity, equity, inclusion as well. And But for someone who's serving as the role as senior associate AD for brand development and inclusive excellence, First, just talk to us more about like, what does that mean, right? Because some people that may listen who don't work in sport may not have a clue. Uh, but then two, like talk to us more about not your day-to-day, -day, but like strategic priorities in your role, given that your day-to-day, -day, of course, not the same. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, first you got to give kudos where, where kudos are due. So, you know, Mike, you're a check, was visionary in that he wanted to have mm -hmm. somebody in-house, um, and particularly a former student athlete that was in-house that would really just be a mentor to the student athletes, right? Mm -hmm. Be in the nutrition center, be at practice, and really just be present and visible on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and so that was first and foremost, as opposed to, and there's really nothing wrong with these groups, but as opposed to mm -hmm. at that time, hiring a third party to provide education and, and build the relationship with student athletes and parents, and, and now attorneys, agents, financial advisors, and all the above. Um, so that really led to the role being housed here. Um, we've got two offices, so we've got one in our admin suite, you know, up in the in the north end zone of the football stadium, but then day to day really live at our uh, student athlete success center with student athlete development. So okay. alongside student athlete development in this office suite, and uh, and thankfully I've had help. So you're nothing without help. So uh, Sydney McGlone served as our athlete brand development coordinator, former mm -hmm. gymnast here, GA in the AD's office, knows our student athletes, knows our staff. So she joined me um, not too long after I began as our coordinator and then was able to recruit Lauren Hawkins um, mm -hmm. to come from University of Kansas, where I had crossed paths with her to come be our graduate assistant. And so really our three person team, I felt like just had, you know, the knowledge, the passion, the yep. and really the presence to, to be able to jump in day one and just be all things to, to our student athletes and, and then the external stakeholders, too. Um, and so we hit the ground running. Um, so with that day to day, um, I think in my being relationships with our head coaches and the assistants, uh, relationship with Learfield. So all of our corporate partners, making sure they're educated on what all, um, manage our relationship with our questions. And there are many of the ones that own businesses or representing businesses. Um, or different interests, um, and then a close, close-knit relationship with both our director of licensing, Jerry Thorpe, oh, and yeah. our general counsel, Matt McCoy, um, just because we feel like NIL really just affects what we do and they do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, but then beyond that, communications and student-athlete development, obviously academic staff, our learning specialists. I mean, we really hit just about every, feel like through a year and a half or a year and a few months, but really a year and a half of being back here, NIL really does touch the entire athletics mm -hmm. department. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> find something from an NIL standpoint in every area. Um, and not to mention compliance, obviously, having that that close-knit relationship with them. Um, so day-to-day, -day, I feel like I manage more of the 
higher level things, but also not not afraid to get in the weeds and 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 quite honestly, not afraid to work with any student athlete through the door. Uh, but thankfully, have been able to have the privilege of having. Um, and since then, Sydney's moved on and works for One Arkansas NIL. It's our collective. And then Lauren now is assistant director of student athlete development, but she's got an office right across, <laughs> right yeah, across yeah. from mine. So I could, I could yeah. holler at her just about any time I need something um, and have a GA now, Nicole Edison, who's, who's doing a fantastic job and was a former student athlete herself at Arkansas Little Rock track and field team. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we do and honestly try to just be as accessible and mm-hmm. as transparent and as real as we can with our student athletes. Um, and then beyond that, parents, agents, and attorneys now, because that's a, yeah, it's been a change, right? We used to yep. shoot those people off outside of the parents, yep. uh, really, as long as intercollegiate athletics has been around. And well, now we're having to close because we want to make sure that uh, they understand where the lines are and they want to make sure that they understand on our side, what's going on, what conversations they're having, what they're doing, because they might represent a student athlete. They're not seeing them on a day-to-day basis like we are. True. So True. we want to be able to just, you know, be as communicative and transparent as possible. That's real. I think one thing you mentioned, right, was not just having help, uh, but being both at the macro and the micro level, if you will, as far as your involvement in NIL, excuse me, athlete brand development. Uh, But could you talk more about some of the programs that you've done over the last, you know, 15, 16 months in educating not just athletes, but as you mentioned before, attorneys, right, local employers and businesses that want to partner with Arkansas athletes as well? Yeah, so as I think back, you know, one of the first things we did was create a pilot program in May of 21. So we selected 25 student athletes that we thought, you know, and, and a lot of this, I had help from student athlete development and really, the, again, the folks in the working group ahead of time that that had put some framework together, but mm-hmm. selected 25 student athletes, um, primarily those sports that were on campus at the time. So it was football and men's basketball and women's basketball. And then we sprinkled in a few gymnasts and volleyball players and track and field student athletes and some others, but just had a boot camp and uh, worked with our uh, Office of Entrepreneurship and Innovations. Yep. Uh, put together some curriculum. So it was all things from improv, you know, day one, just learn- be nimble and learning how to communicate on the fly and also you know, coordinate what you think your core values and your pitch would want to be. Um, so from that to some some sample size financial education really hit hard what we thought at the time were going to be the NIL rules and regulations. And we just based everything off of our state law mm-hmm. and then uh, had a former student athlete panel a few times and allowed them to work and really just hear from former student athletes who've gone on to be business leaders out in the out in northwest Arkansas. Um, and so did that during summer session one. Um, July 1st came and then we had summer session two and had a second group of 25 student athletes um, from some different sports um, come in and take advantage of that. So honestly, we felt like that gave us some some street cred with the student athletes, particularly the ones we felt were leaders, right? Up, particularly public, publicly and going to have some NIL opportunities um, in that, hey, disclosing is a good thing. We're not the, we're not the police. <laughs> we're here because disclosing helps us protect you and helps us look at things ahead of time before they go out. Um, you know, really went through what our sponsors were doing, helped some of our student athletes understand who they were on a, again, on a macro level. Um, so yeah, I really felt like we, we just gained some trust and gained some credibility with our student athletes by doing that ahead of July one. Um, but then fast forward, 
I got to give a shout out to my man Cam Cox in Illinois because he's the he was the pilot and architect. Um, I believe Illinois was the first school to host some kind of an open house, which has become popular now. Um, and so we ended up following suit and had our open house in August of last year, um, ahead of our first football weekend. Um, and really that allowed an opportunity to have a hundred different businesses there from around the state and really us to talk about, you know, where we were at that time and what NIL is and what we'd seen through the first two months and, uh, and really how they could be a few other open house events that have actually involved student athletes. And now we're delving into networking nights, partnering mm -hmm. with student athlete development and, mm -hmm. and doing the career piece we've always done, but now bringing in individuals yes. that are in, interested from an NIL standpoint, companies that have been engaged in the NIL space. So again, yeah, some of the uh, interesting things, I guess, innovative things we feel like we've done beyond that, uh, using our social media from an NIL standpoint, athlete brand development to really amplify what our, our young people are doing, gain them balls, more followers, um, and really help share their story and tell their story. Um, and then lastly, I think one of those, one of the core things I think we've done, and this is where DEI really comes into play, particularly from a socioeconomic standpoint, right? And, and um, lack of opportunities at a younger age and, and you know, NIL has become a great equalizer. Um, lots of people to grow up pretty quickly, uh, which is awesome personal conversations with some student athletes that might be receiving some federal aid, right? And getting with compliance in our, our eligibility office and, and understanding, okay, who's receiving Pell Grants? And let's sit down and have a conversation about how that might affect your eligibility moving forward if you're taking these NIL opportunities. And how does that affect um, your situation at home and whoever's claiming you and, and are you adjusting those things? I mean, we really try to be intentional about just having those conversations and and working with the player development um, staff members on, you know, our different sport programs really help us and be our advocates in that in that regard. So, yeah, honestly, Tim, I'd say that those are probably the key things that that stick out to me um, and things that we've been able to do over this last year and a half that, that have been successful. Now, I appreciate you naming that. I think I mean, you keep reiterating communication. I think what's special about Arkansas and what you're doing um, at the flagship is how you're communicating, right, and who you're choosing to communicate and when. Uh, which clearly makes a difference in you know how you continue to evolve and you know grow your program to where it is today. Um, but I want to make sure that we're mindful of time and get to my favorite section or segment, excuse me, segment three action items. Um, so three things you want our audience to remember and leave with after our conversation today, right? You mentioned a lot of dope thing around communication, around being the first, around your athlete co-construction and team, you know, um, having a dope team that you work with. But just three things you want our audience to take away after our conversation today. Yeah, I'd, I'd say NIL is empowering. So, you know, through, you know, a year and some change, I think we've been able to sift through some data. We've been able to see, you know, these national articles and press releases that have been put out, these big numbers that have been out there. But I think through the work we've been doing on campus, being able to really have that day-to-day -day I think we understand that, you know, NIL is empowering and that we have to take time to celebrate you know, taking what we've already done in student athlete development or student athlete enhancement, whatever you call it at your institution, really just taking that to the next level. Um, you know, to me, you know, I think about the life skills program that was developed in the 90s, right? And so we've had this around for 30 years, um, but we've really never having money with them now, right? And while they're 18 to 22 or 23, 
so I think now we just have an opportunity to take what we've already been teaching and we've had tremendous professionals in this business. I mean, really put in the work um, and just take that to the next level. Um, and I think NIL has just provided a pathway to being able to allow that to happen sooner and us being able to do it and have those conversations while they're here on campus, as opposed to this job that's waiting for you once you're 23, 24, 25, you know, and that's some student athletes that are making some life-changing money. And by life-changing, I do mean ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000, not a million dollars. So that's one. Second thing, time is energy. So uh, student athletes and brands, you know, I think have to be mindful of time demands placed on student athletes. I think um, many of our, our young folks have learned quite a bit about where they want to place their energy over this first year um, and how to navigate practice and mental health and some other things. Um, and so that's another one. Time is energy. And I think we have to also remember that uh, student athletes only have so much time in a day to be able to do what they have to do. And the team being successful still matters <laughs> as well. And their success still matters at the end of the day. So Tim, I just would love for folks to not assume, right? And it goes for student athletes, brands, but in particular from a brand standpoint, really don't assume. So, you know, we do facilitate here. And when we facilitate, uh, say that we're trying to have the brand keep an open mind as to who all of our student athletes are and, and all they have to offer and what they can be. Because I think a lot of times what you see in marketing is a business will their um, demographic or they want to be marketed, right? And be uh, promoted. And I think we've got a ton of stories. And so I'd encourage, you know, uh, my counterparts or anyone that's working in the NIL space at, you know, a certain institution to try to get to know your student athletes as well as you can understand their stories and let that help, let that, um, let that guide you, I guess, when you're having conversations with brands and businesses, if you're able to do so on your campus, if you're able to have conversations and facilitate with a, with a brand or a business. Yo, well said, my man, you sent me to storytelling, so you got me excited. Uh, but I'll say this conversation is one I love doing on podcasts. Like I love being a facilitator, uh, but definitely over the last 30 minutes, you know, I felt like I've been in class. I right? just, just soaking up knowledge <laughs> and learning from you. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, Dr. Mr. TP, if you will. But before we go, dog, we, I don't know if you can get your doctorate if you are, I'll manifest it with you for you. <laughs> but before we go, man, like who you want to see or hear from on the pod? Who we need to get on here? Man, you got to get Cam Cox on here. I know I shouted him out earlier and I don't know if you have, if you haven't already, but Cam Cox, he's director of NIL at, at University of Illinois, um, a tremendous resource. I, I learned from him every day. We, we talk pretty regularly just because I think he's seeing it. He's seeing it at a different conference, um, a different mm -hmm. region of the country, um, but he is of the SEC, both bachelor's and law degree. Uh, but he's a, he's a very, very interesting individual that I think a great guest here on the podcast. Say less, Cam, we coming for you. Terry, bro, thank you so much for your time. Razorback relays, I'm coming field pass. I might need two or three, but we'll be there. Uh, I appreciate you, dog. TV, appreciate you, man. Thank you. Always, man. Everyone else, man, be safe. See y'all next week on our next episode of the Mogul Podcast. That's right. Get Mogul. <laughs>